0: Joining us live from Israel, Itamar Rabinovich, who is currently the chairman of the board of the Dan David Foundation, vice chairman of the board of the Institute of National Security Studies. Chairman of the Advisory Board of the Wexner Israel Program, a member of the Trilateral Commission, and a member of the International Advisory Board of the Brookings Institution. He's an expert on the policies and politics of the Middle East. He has a particular interest in Syria, Arab-Israeli relations, and the us israel relationship. He served as Israel's ambassador to the United States and as a chief negotiator with Syria from 92 to 96. More than a pleasure to have Itamar Rabinovich joining us. Uh, Good afternoon here. I know it's a different time there. In Israel, Mr. Rabinovich, thank you for joining us, and welcome.
1: Yeah, Thank you, Leslie, for having me.
0: I know that you wrote a paper I also wanted to mention entitled Israel and uh, the Changing uh, Middle East. Um, Right now, for people, I I lived briefly in Israel in 1996, and I definitely have seen a change uh, in Israel and in the Middle East uh, since then. Um, But let's talk about Israel's relationship with the environment, the Middle Eastern, the Arab environment uh, around them. Um, You know, is this changing in a positive direction when you look at a Jordan, you look at an Egypt, even, well, Saudi Arabia may change now that the uh, leadership in the kingdom there has changed hands with a new king. Um, But let's talk about this. I I mean, obviously, the, uh, the, the situation is complex. There are people in Israel who are, are ambivalent, whether it's uh, in relation to a two-state solution, settlements, or even the Middle East world around them.
1: Uh, well, there is a uniform uh, picture with regard to Israel's relationship with its uh, Arab neighbors. Uh, with some uh, neighboring and not so uh, close Arab countries, uh, relations have uh, improved dramatically uh, with the current regime in Egypt. Uh, with Jordan, uh, in a more quiet way with uh, Saudi Arabia uh, and other countries who identify a common interest and common enemies with uh, Israel, Iran, the danger of uh, Iranian nuclear, the Iranian quest for hegemony in the Middle East, and most recently uh, the fact that uh, radical terrorist groups like Islamic State uh, are threatening uh the Arab states, and uh, when they look at uh, the threat, Israel seems like a very safe friend to have.
0: Um, you know, one, I have to say idea. that this this is this is something that Muslims and Jews have in common, which is ISIS as an enemy. Correct.
1: Most Muslims, uh, most Muslims are, you know, normal, moderate people, but uh, uh, Islam has been in a way hijacked by radical jihadi groups, both uh, Shiite and and Sunnah. And uh, most Muslims and uh, many others uh, live uncomfortably with uh, these very radical groups.
0: Why do you think it is, uh, Mr. Rabinovich, that, uh, you know, for nearly 70 years, Israel has been able to make peace with at least two of its Arab neighbors, if not more, um, and, you know, to have uh, somewhat normal relations with several of the Arab states. Uh, But when it comes to the Palestinians, uh, that seems to be an issue where there there is not any uh, peace made. Um, I have to say that having uh, lived there, I have a different vision of uh, Israel than a lot of people who just, you know, read or, you know, online or watch on the news what goes on there. But, you know, tell us so that people understand, because what what I find is often what we hear here in the United States with regard to the sentiment of people in Israel is not really the sentiment of the people necessarily, uh, even on both sides, uh, Israelis and Palestinians, but more government and and militant uh, powers that be.
1: Well, the, unfortunately, the uh, Israeli-Palestinian conflict is different uh, from uh, uh, the conflicts we had and the relations we have uh, with other states. You know, we we had hostile relations with uh, Egypt, with uh, Jordan, with uh, Syria, with Lebanon. We fought wars with them, but these are uh, conflicts between states. Uh, Syria is a state, Lebanon is a state, Egypt definitely is a state, and Sometimes the neighbors have a dispute. It could be territorial. It could be different. Sometimes they fight it out, and they can make peace. Uh, our conflict with the Palestinians is of a different nature. Uh, it is a national conflict between two national movements who lay claim to the same piece of land. And these conflicts, these national conflicts, tend to be more bitter, more profound, more long-lasting, and more difficult to resolve. That makes this uh, conflict uh, more intractable and more durable and uh, more difficult to deal with.
0: Uh, yeah, most definitely. Do you think it comes down to, because it, it, you know sometimes it looks like it's identity and sometimes it looks like it's just landmass. Is that really what it comes down to?
1: No, it's both. Uh, you know, we speak a lot about the two-state solution, Uh, I, myself, was uh, privileged to be uh, a member of uh, Prime Minister Rabin's team in the 1990s that tried to resolve the Arab-Israeli conflict in general and the Israeli-Palestinian conflict uh, specifically. We signed uh, the Oslo Accord, the agreement on the White House lawn, in uh, September 1993. And, uh, of course, this uh, envisaged a a compromise and a, a resolution of the problem. But uh, when it came to implementation, it uh, turned out to defy all efforts to resolve it. And 20 years, uh, or more than 20 years later, uh, we are uh, almost at the same place, with the conflict between these two nationalisms uh, still raging on.
0: Do you think it's inevitable there will be a two-state solution, and does that seem to be the general belief of Israelis and even uh, the Palestinians, especially the youth of uh, both the Israeli and Palestinian communities?
1: Uh, I'm afraid it's not inevitable. I think it's possible. And uh, uh, some people think, uh, you know, the, the clock is ticked and we are we're past the uh, we hour of midnight and it's uh, irreversible. I don't think so. I I think it is doable, but it's not inevitable. And if we uh, continue to linger in uh, in this situation for another five or ten years, uh, then then we may miss the train. But uh, at this point, it's doable. Uh, I think about 70 percent of the Israeli population, when you poll them, uh, support the two-state solution, and I'm not sure that this is the case. On the Palestinian side, for a simple reason, there are uh, about 7 million uh, Israeli Jews, about uh, 320 million Arabs, and some Arabs think that uh, they only have to wait it out, that uh, at some point in the future uh, numbers will tell.
0: Uh, Right right now, uh, you're coming up on elections there in Israel in March. Uh, As you know, uh, Benjamin Netanyahu is set to speak um, here uh, in the United States to Congress, not uh, asked by the president, but rather House Speaker John Boehner. Um, What has been the reaction in Israel to this, and does this help him – Um, or uh, hurt him? I I mean, I know the organization the Zionist camp led uh, by Isaac Herzog and uh, Zibi Livni are um, strong advocates of reviving a peace process with the Palestinians very contrary to the uh, beliefs and ideology of Benjamin Netanyahu.
1: Well, actually, uh, Eishina Netanyahu did did pronounce for a two-state solution, uh, but the the opposition argues that uh, says one thing and, uh, and acts differently. Now, with regard to, to uh, the visit and the uh, speech to uh, to the two houses of, of Congress, it is a controversial issue not just in the States, but in Israel, and it's a uh, house divided. Um, Netanyahu and his party and his supporters think that uh, uh, he is going to speak on a very important mission, trying to stop the Iranian nuclear. And uh, the opposition, the critics say that uh, you, know, you don't go to the United States to speak uh, in the Congress against the, the will and wishes of the president and some of the democratic uh, members of uh, Congress that it's a mistake that uh, uh, it will uh, turn out uh, uh, to actually be uh, damaging to our own uh, interests. So... You know, we we'll have to wait and see. The election is March 17. The speech is uh, um, February 3, uh, very close to the election. And uh, it depends, you know, how many people, uh, members of Congress show up, what the reaction is going to be, how the administration is going to respond. It much depends on uh, what the actual outcome and repercussions of the speech are.
0: We're going to take a, a break, and when we come back, I have more questions uh, for you uh, regarding Israel, uh, the Palestinians, uh, the Middle East, as you are an expert on that, and the world around it. Uh, so quick break, and we'll be back, Mr. Rabinovich. Itamar Rabinovich, currently the chairman of the board of the Dan David Foundation vice chair of the board of the Institute of National Security Studies, joining us live from Israel. Follow him on Twitter, Uh, follow the Brookings Institute at Brookings, I-N-S-T, the Israel Institute at Israel Space Institute. We are back, joining us live from Israel, Mr. Itamar Rabinovich, currently the chairman of the board of the Dan David Foundation and vice chair of the board of the Institute of National Security Studies, chairman of the advisory board of the Wexner Israel Program, a member of the Trilateral Commission, and a member of the International Advisory Board at the Brookings Institution. Mr. Rabinovich, thank you uh, for holding. Uh, Welcome back. How has sure, the how has the environment uh, around uh, Israel or you know in the Arab world uh, changed if at all what is going on regarding the ability to remote, have, yeah. to, to have a two-state solution you have a new king uh, in the Middle East you have Jordan it looks like they're willing to negotiate uh, with Isis uh, you have uh, definitely you know new people voting and new voices coming out in places like Egypt. How, how does that affect what is going on today?
1: Well, the, these are two different and, and, and two very important issues, as you alluded in in the final part of the uh, of your statement. Uh, there is a young generation that uh, come came and comes into the picture. Uh, the Arab world is a fast uh, growing part of uh, of the world. Uh, there is not enough employment. Uh, some immigrate uh, or emigrate to, to Europe and to other parts of the world, but on the whole, there's a huge pressure on uh, resources in Egypt, in Jordan, in, in Syria, in uh, most uh, of the countries of the Arab world. And uh, this socio-economic unrest leads to political unrest. It broke out in the events of the Arab Spring in 2010, 2011, and and then, of course. The spring uh, was derailed, and uh, the Arab Spring uh, became a very cold uh, winter. Uh, from Israel and from many other countries' point of view, the the most important political manifestation of uh, this unrest and instability in the Middle East is the fact that uh, several uh, Arab countries um, have disintegrated or the central government has uh, collapsed. Syria is uh, in the throes of a civil war, has been there uh, since 2011. It's a, a terrible human uh, tragedy and catastrophe. Iraq, as we know all too well, um, partly been taken by uh, a terrorist organization Islamic State and other parts of the country. Uh, the Kurdish, the non arab population in the north, is uh, practically uh, independent of uh, Baghdad, the, uh, the capital. Lebanon, where Hezbollah, an arm of the Iranian regime, is stronger than the government. Yemen, where again the central government has just been practically taken over. Libya, where the American ambassador was, uh, was killed and where anarchy uh, prevails and, and so forth and so forth. Not a very pretty uh, picture and not a very easy environment to live in.
0: Uh, Mr. Rabinovich, and and please understand the manner in which uh, this question is intended. Um, There are many people, even in the Jewish community, and I'm half. I have one Jewish parent, one Christian parent, and um, who who talk about whether the Palestinian people are oppressed. And in light of some of the um, conflicts that have happened and strikes that have happened uh, from Israel uh, toward the Palestinians, In this past year, the world seemed to move from, you know, championing, you know, Israel uh, in defending itself to perhaps defending some of the Palestinians, not their strikes, but being struck. Um, Do you think this has, you know, hurt the process because there seems to be or had been a shift to a degree in opinion? Uh, with coverage by the media here in the United States and elsewhere, not just Al Jazeera, BBC, uh, here in the United States, almost all uh, media outlets. Um, you know, ha- Has this a- affected it? Because I think there are people out there who say there's no way there's going to be a two-state solution if they keep having settlements. And then there are people out there who say if you oppress a people – as the Jewish people know more than anyone, you know, after being oppressed for six years in the Holocaust and even after for years yeah. in refugee camps, it becomes like a powder keg. Let these people have their own state. Let open up the, the the ability for them to have trade and tourism. If they're making money, if they have jobs, they're not going to be sitting in groups, uh, you know, talking about how to bomb and destroy the state of Israel.
1: And uh, I understand the spirit of, of the question. And uh, of course, It is the single most important debate inside uh, Israel. And, you know, to begin with, uh, quite a few Palestinians are oppressed by their own people. Uh, You know, we have the West Bank, where there is a reasonably good uh, government by the Palestinian Authority, but then there is Gaza, where uh, the the radical Islamist group uh, Hamas is in uh, in control, where Israel actually withdrew from. But, uh, unfortunately, what we have there is... uh, is a very dictatorial uh, regime. But uh, to, to come to the essence of the question, uh, I belong to, uh, I think, the, still the majority of Israelis who would like to see a two state solution, uh, who would like our government to do what it takes from our point of view. But uh, we're also looking at the Palestinians and asking them to help us help them in the sense that, uh, you know, uh, two uh, two recent Israeli prime ministers, Eud Barak in 2000 and Eud Olmert in 2008, put very far-reaching proposals on the table, uh, willing to withdraw and uh, willing to help uh, build a Palestinian state, but asking the Palestinians for one thing, give us finality, tell us that uh, if we withdraw and uh, you get your state, you accept the fact that uh, this is it, they are not going to get the whole of the land, because it has to be partitioned, and you have to recognize our legitimacy, our right to have our own state.
0: Uh, no, so, absolutely, no, and I think a lot of people, it. I think a lot of people know that. Although very simple cliche, if you give an inch, they'll take a yard, is definitely a fear of not just Israelis, but others uh, uh, that are allies of Israel. Uh, Mr. Rabinovich, thank you for taking the time to join us. Um, and uh, we look forward to speaking with you again. Mr. Itma Rabinovich from the Brookings Institute.